If you're out of town, I'm not the senior minister here. I'm the music guy, actually. So you, know, you could just bring your notch of your expectation of quality a little bit down. Be like, if, if this is the preaching at this church, I'm not going to, no, it's not me. So, you know, but what a privilege and honor. I've been here for about nine months now leading our, our music ministry. And uh, it's been a, a wonderful, a wonderful time here. As I was saying, the story is simple. A teenage girl is chosen with a special assignment. She's from an obscure town, and her decision decides upon the weight of the, the, the fate of humanity is upon her. That's right, I was talking about Star Wars, <laughs> or Hunger Games, or Harry Potter even, if, if you want to go that far. But the story is true, that a teenage girl is indeed chosen from an obscure town to be the vessel of the arrival of the Son of God. Just take a moment, let that sink in for a second there. Some of you are sitting next to your teenage daughter. You trust your daughter with this kind of assignment from God? As the story goes, the census forces Joseph and Mary to go from Nazareth. If you know anything about Nazareth in John chapter 2, Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, says, I just met God! I met Jesus! And he goes to his brother, sitting under a tree, like most guys on a, on a summer's day, sitting under a tree, and says, oh, uh, guess who I met? And guess what his brother says? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah, even back then, Nazareth was an un, unremarkable town. They go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the town of David's birth. But at that time, it was actually a dying town. It was an overlooked town. So much so that Joseph moved from Bethlehem to Nazareth. So he had to go back to Bethlehem to register his family. And if the timing can't be worse, Luke conveniently says, the time came for her to give birth. I don't have kids, I'll be honest. But can you, can you picture what it was like for your firstborn child? Were you ready to be a father? Were you ready to be a mother? Anyone raise, raise your hands if you were ready? Anyone ready? Anyone ready? All right. All right. No one's really ready. Do you think she was ready? Every so often you hear of an amazing story about how a woman had to give birth in, in, a, in a dire situation, something like a, a broken elevator. Right? You've heard those stories. How, how, how a stranger had to help. How remarkable that delivery story was. However, I don't think anyone could have topped the birth of Jesus. This teenage girl had just, in the previous chapter, just sang about how, how she loved God and how she was ready to be used by God. But now, all of a sudden, in their travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, she had to suddenly give birth. Anyone give birth not in a hospital? Everybody gave birth in a hospital? Can you imagine giving birth with no medical assistance? No midwife? No, no help whatsoever? 
As if it couldn't, as if it couldn't be worse, she birthed Jesus in a barn. Not in a hospital, in a barn. Wrapped in strips of spare clothes and laid him in a manger. Anyone know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough. It's a feeding trough. Right? When we say manger, it sounds a little, bit, uh, a little bit nicer, but it was actually a feeding trough as his first crib. Who can say that there were more animals than humans at your birth? Anyone? 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 I think we'd be offended if we heard that kind of a story today. Moreover, the only people awake were nearby shepherds. And there's no significant, there's, there's a little significance to this because shepherds, they were, if they were keeping sheep at night, they were most likely hired hands. So they were just kind of there. Right? It's not like, oh, I love pending sheep all through the night. Right? They were just there because they were the only ones truly awake at that time. And then an angel suddenly appears to them. Can you imagine, like, you're just minding your own business, and an angel appears to you. And what does this angel say? He says, good tidings. For unto you is born to stay in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a feeding trough. Think about that. Say you and your buddy are just hanging out, taking care of some sheep. All of a sudden an angel appears. What do you do afterwards? You just look at each other and be like, I don't know. Should we go? I guess so. What do you think, Carl? I guess so. Yeah, let's go. An angel appeared. We don't know anything about these shepherds. They were just there. These angels had to tell someone. No one else was awake except these shepherds. And if there's one moment in history I would like to see Right? Some of us may have liked to have seen, I don't know, George Washington, or I don't know, you, you, may, have, you may have wanted to see some of the miracles in the Bible. I think the one, one, of the, one moment in history that I would have loved to have seen is what these nameless shepherds saw. What does Luke say? And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Can you just picture that? I don't think your imagination can truly picture what that really looks on that night. That these nameless shepherds saw angels worshipping the arrival of the, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the mighty counselor, came through the arrival of a teenage girl in a barn, in a feeding trough. And they were celebrating his arrival. Amazing. From the first moment of his arrival on earth, it is marked with the most profound, humble arrival. This is the root of Jesus' earthly humility. From his moment of his first breath, in a sense, the very things that appear to be embarrassing. And I don't think if you were born in a barn, you'd go around bragging about that. 
and become the base of your humility and your character. You know, my roots are nowhere near Jesus, but there are several moments in my life when I think about how embarrassing some of my upbringing was. Some of you, I think all, we can all relate. Some of the things that you grew up with, you're like, man, that's so embarrassing. I don't even want to think about that. But now as an adult, you think about that and you go, man, that, that really shaped my character. Let me give you an example. My parents emigrated from Korea in 1981 with less than $1,000 and no higher education, no anything to pursue a better life. Let me ask you, how many of you can survive in a foreign country with no connections? If I just put you in a rant, if I just put you in Madagascar, let's say, can you survive there and thrive? Not just survive, just thrive with a thousand bucks. No connections. No internet back then, right? We know what, what that felt like. No, no, nothing. Just hope. Just sweat. What's even more challenging is the first descendants who have to grapple with a, with a dual ethnicities and expectation to succeed on behalf of their parents. Right? My parents worked really hard. They were able to save enough and, 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 uh, and, and buy a house and own multiple cars. And, and the first generation of that have to struggle in understanding who they are. This is a challenge of some millennials today, right? They're burdened to surpass their parents, but also question, right, who they are. Who am I? But here, I think about my past and I just go, well, I'm just so humbled that my my parents worked so hard on for my sake. For most of my elementary years, my father was a, a flea market vendor. That's really embarrassing to say, actually, when I think about that now. It was something I really never told anyone. My father uh, sold imitation watches, $20 watches. I, would, uh, I remember my father taking me to a couple of Saturdays a month to the parking lot of Giant Stadium. From 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., my father would set up his poles, set up a table. He, he, had, he had these wooden boxes that he made to put all the watches in. And for, for 12 hours, he would, stand, he would just stay there and wait for people to buy $20 watches from him. My father, I remember my, um, my father drove this muddy brown colored Astrovan. Remember Astrovans? <laughs> yes, those existed. It's not a spaceship, y'all. It's not a spaceship. It's an ugly car. We had built in these wooden compartments to store his inventory. So yes, there was no back seat for me. Guess where I sat? Yeah, I sat in a lawn chair in the front. In the front. So there was a little compartment in the front. My, my dad put a lawn chair, and I would sit there. And whenever the police would come, I'd be like, lower your head right now, son. Even an eight-year-old boy knew how embarrassing this was. And my father knew it too. I remember him telling me, don't tell anyone. 
And yet it's a privilege for me to say that in front of you because I think about that and I just, I'm so humbled. I'm so humbled by their sacrifice. And yet my father leveraged that short-term sacrifice for the long-term security of his family. Many of you can relate to that, can't you? You think about your parents. Think about how much they struggled. Think about how much they were willing to give whatever future they had for the sake of their children. My parents are no, no means are they wealthy, no means are they affluent in any way. But I think about that and I just go, man, what, what, what are the roots of your character? The things, sometimes the very, the very things you find embarrassing about your past that, that humbled you back then can become the source of your humility today. As I think about those days occasionally, I'm deeply grateful and humble. If life was easy and comfortable, I'm sure that you know, I wouldn't be the kind of person I am here today. When I think about the feelings of embarrassment, they have now become feelings of humility. Most of us can relate. And as you relate, we all sit here knowing that the undercurrent, that the source of that, yeah, it's God's grace, isn't it? Amen? It is his grace. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. Don't let that pass you by. He predestined you. Everything that you're going through right now, he has ordained for you to experience. For what purpose? To the praise of his glorious grace. And if it says to praise of his grace, that it would be that your song would, would, would just only accentuate that grace. Because all we're doing is worshiping how he would choose us. Not that we're special, but because he's God. God chose the moments of humility to become the fruit of our character. If the root of your humility is deep, your character is much, much more aware of his grace. And in other words, God's grace can truly be experienced in the lens of our humility. How do we know? How do we know this? Because Jesus was born in the most humble way a human being can be born. And he lived and died to show us that the root of his humility was only nourished by his Father's love. So what are the roots of your humility? As you sit here remembering the birth of a child, what are the moments in your childhood where you can say, you know what, 
I'm so humbled by where I am today. And I can sit here on a Christmas Eve, on another Christmas Eve service and give thanks for his grace. The birth of Jesus is celebrating God's grace. The death of Jesus is celebrating his grace. And everything in between is celebrating his grace. So it is our lives as well. Our birth, our death, and everything in between would only just celebrate, give praise to his grace. If your roots are deep, you understand why Jesus had to come this way. And you also know that your roots were also planted in that soil of his grace here this evening. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that no words can explain words can explain your humility. But Lord, we see that God, that as we remember your arrival, we are humbled as best, our, as, best as we can do. We are humbled that the King of Kings Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, that you would come upon our world. Not to condemn it, but to save it. So Lord, here this evening, once again, we thank you, the Lord, that you came from heaven to earth because you love us. Thank you, Jesus, that at no point in your life upon this earth did you choose to curse us? For you had every right to do so. But Lord, you blessed us. You loved us. Even to the point of death. Death on a cross. So we thank you here this evening. As we remember the birth of your son. We pray this in your name. Amen. As we... As we... To our final Advent reading here, I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 2. Here's God's word. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. All God's people said, Amen. At this time, we'll have the ushers come forward. And if you have your candles with you, As we're lighting candles, we'll be singing Silent Night together. Let's all rise. <laughs> 